0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 24, how that Abraham was opposed to bringing back Isaac to his old country, and we'll learn how we're all prone to having a self-willed attitude. Now, Tom Cantor is our amazing Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, and he's a pastor, author, patent holder, inventor, advocate for patients, 2009 whistleblower of the year. And many of you may or may not know, he's also a scientist and biochemist and CEO of of Scanabody's Laboratory, Inc., and he's also the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in San Diego, California, actually in a suburb, Santee, California. And because of Tom Cantor's science and creation background, we are going to offer you two wonderful books, Dinosaurs in the Bible and Your Origins Matter. Now, Dinosaurs in the Bible will help you understand where dinosaurs came from, where they went to, and how long they have lived on Earth. Because dinosaurs are often portrayed as living millions of years before man arrived on the Earth. But what does Bible and science have to say about that? The second book, Your Origins Matter, will help anyone to answer the question of what am I, who am I? As many search for the identity of themselves, and your understanding of creation and your origin makes a huge difference in your understanding of how to live, and who or what to worship, and how to relate to the rest of the planet. We're offering these two wonderful books. For a donation of $20 or more, you can get Dinosaurs in the Bible in Your Origins Matter. $20 or more donation, and we'll send you these two books. Call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051 thirty fifty one or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org or for more information about the Creation Museum, go to creationsd.org. Creation SD.org. Here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
1: He did not give him a roadmap of how God was going to solve each problem. But Abraham can say, I found that God had a plan. He has a plan and I know that he has a plan on how to get a wife for Isaac, but I didn't know the plan when I left Ur of the Chaldees when he said leave, but it all worked out. And I don't know the plan for how God's gonna get a wife for Isaac, but it's all gonna work out. So the description in verse 7 of the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house or from the land of my kindred, that's a description of what happened to Abraham when he obeyed the Lord God of heaven in Genesis 12.1. Abraham had to leave his father's house and he lost his people. That's exactly what happened to me as a Jewish kid. I had to leave my father's house and I lost my Jewish people. And that's a pretty accurate description of what so often is the case when a Jewish person comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. They have to leave their father's house and they lose their Jewish people. Because even though all Jewish people do not agree today on what a Jew is, all Jewish people do agree today on what a Jew is not. (laughs) All Jewish people agree that a Jew is not a Jew if he's a Christian. So go figure that one out. All right. Then notice the three very important words in verse 7. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me. Those are very important words. Spake unto me. And that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed do I give this land. See, we see when he says this, when Abraham says this, the basis for Abraham's faith, the basis for Abraham's confidence that God was going to give a wife to Isaac. Why was it? Because God spoke to him. God swore to him. And Abraham said, God spoke to him. Just about as good as having it in writing. What did he say? Unto thy seed will I give. God made it very clear that he was, what he was talking about when he says his seed, he made it very clear to him in Genesis 15, 5, when he says, God brought Abraham forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell in other words get your calculator out or your pad or whatever you mean tell if thou be able to number them the stars and he said so shall thy seed be so god had told abraham look up in the sky number the stars if you can and god said that your seed in number is going to be like the number of the stars so as abraham thought about that abraham realized that abraham's seed was now contracted down to one person isaac If Isaac doesn't get a wife, there's going to be no stars. There's going to be no expansion here. So he realizes Isaac's got to get a wife. Isaac's got to get a wife. And he's confident that Isaac will get a wife based on what? The word of God. God spoke to him. He's confident that. That's Abraham's confidence that Isaac is going to get a wife. And it's not based on Abraham's belief that Isaac's going to get a wife. It's based on Abraham believes because of the word of God. It's because of the word of God that Abraham believed that Isaac was going to get a wife. See, when Abraham believed that Isaac's going to get a wife, Abraham's not taking a leap in the dark. And Abraham's basis belief on the word of God and faith. Abraham's faith is not based on a leap in the dark. Faith always rests on the word of God. Now, so many people say, well, I believe God that this is going to happen. Well, that's fine. It's wonderful for a person to believe God. But you could ask the question, do you have it in writing? Can you point to it in writing in the word of God? You know, in in the past, God spoke openly to men like Abraham, but that's all changed now. And God speaks through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in Hebrews 1 through 2, God, who at sundry times, very diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. And God speaks through his Son, through the Bible, because the Bible is called the Word of Christ in Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ, just the verse we were considering this morning in the breaking of bread, let the word of christ dwell in you richly we have the word of god it's the word of christ it's written it's written down so abraham in essence had in writing so to speak from god and god made a contract with abraham and abraham is really saying god's promised me that through my seed isaac he's going to give this land to me so based on the word of god abraham is sure that god has a bride for isaac see faith is acting on the word of god and god wants us to believe his word not just believe but to believe based on his word. Because we cannot force God to do something just because we believe. We cannot have this huge amount of belief, and then it forces God to do something. You know, last Wednesday night prayer meeting, I asked the men, because I have this condition, atrial fibrillation, AFib, so I asked the men, lay hands on me and pray that God will take it away. So each man prays that God will heal me, and, and they only talked about God healing me until it came to Scott. <laughs> Scott prays, Lord, if it's not your will to heal Tom, then I pray that your purpose be worked out. And I remember thinking, that's not the right prayer, Scott. (laughs) Everybody else is praying to heal me. But Scott was right, because I don't have anything in writing from God that says he's going to take away my afib. Apostle Paul, he wanted to be healed from his, I don't know if he had afib, but he had a thorn in the flesh, some physical problem. And he wrote about it in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9 and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, he said, for this physical problem, this health problem I have, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, no, but he didn't know it says, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, Paul went through some time, it's a long time with this health problem, which he called the thorn in the flesh. And no one wanted to be healed more than Paul did. And Paul, I'm sure he believed in faith healing, but he knew, Paul found out, I can't force God. I can't force God to heal me because he believed just because he believed that God was going to heal him. Paul was not demanding God to heal him, but he was bringing his need to God, and God told him no. And then Paul learned a new way to view his health problem. Paul made himself thankful for his health problem. And he said, great, my health problem wasn't welcomed in the past, but now I welcome it because now that I have this problem, this health problem, the power of Christ is resting on me. My strength, he said, is made perfect in your weakness. Now, verse 7, Abraham tells Eliezer what God is going to do for him, he says in verse 7. And we see he makes a particular promise to Abraham. So what did Abraham say in verse 7 that God was going to do for Eliezer? He's going to send his angel. That's it. He's going to send his angel. So as Abraham looked at Sarah, he thought to himself, or he thought back on Sarah, he thought to himself, he didn't deserve Sarah. But it was God's grace that gave him Sarah. And Abraham got Sarah before God called him. He got her in Ur of the Chaldees. As Abraham looked back over his life in Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham saw that whatever wealth that I got from my family came from the inheritance of my father that was left to me. But Abraham's father had nothing to do with Abraham getting Sarah. Sarah came from God. That's what it means in Proverbs 19.14. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers. But a prudent wife
0: is from the Lord. We'll return with our Bible study with Tom Cantor here in just a moment on the Friendship with God radio program. We want to remind you that Tom Cantor has a bookstore with all of his materials that's available online at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Get all of Tom Cantor's materials, and there are many creation resources there, as Tom Cantor is the owner-operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. And also, he's got his daily devotional verse you can sign up for. Right at friendshipwithgod.org Sign up for that Get a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor Just one verse from the Bible And a small commentary One or two sentence commentary On that verse You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org Or you can call us to support this Bible teaching radio program as well With a one time or monthly contribution Call us at 800-247-3051 800-247-3051 Now here again is our Bible teacher Tom Cantor
1: Prudent wife is from the Lord. It's very interesting that word prudent, sakal, in, um, in Hebrew, because it means, and as I explain this, you married men, you think about your wives, the meaning of the word prudent, because it means a wife that is wise, a wife that is instructed by God, a wife that is circumspect, a wife that considers what is not obvious and gives attention to it, a wife that has discernment to see beyond what is merely the appearance. That's all tied up in that word. And a man who has a wife like that, he's received her from the Lord. And a man who doesn't have a wife like that, I'm not telling you where he received her from. But Abraham had this type of sakal wife, prudent wife, in Sarah. And Abraham knew that he had this from the Lord. And Abraham wanted for Isaac to have the sakal or prudent wife from the Lord because of this verse we just talked about in Proverbs 19.14. So Abraham tells Eliezer, he'll send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife for my son thence. now in order to see this more clearly this last part of verse 7 here what he's really saying you have to insert the word therefore between the word and and thou you see how the whole meaning changes if you just put that word therefore in there see god's going to send the angel before you that's the reason why you're going to be able to get a wife for my son from my country if we could only see what Abraham is saying here in verse 7, if we could only see how much of what we are able to do in life because God has sent his angel before us. We accomplish something and we have a wrong perspective when we say, look what I was able to do, or look what I did. When we should have the perspective of saying, look what God enabled me to do. Moses' He was trying to get the Jewish people to change their minds perspective on this in Deuteronomy 818 when he said, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. So Abraham told Eliezer God would send his angel before him. And this raises the question, well, what do angels do? What are, what are angels? You know? Well, they have many functions, but the one function that Abraham is referring to here is the one that's talked about in Hebrews one thirteen through fourteen. Where it says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And speaking of angels goes on Hebrews one fourteen, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? See what we learn in this verse in Hebrews one fourteen is that angels have the title of ministering spirits. The word ministering means that angels are working for the benefit of others. And spirits is the word pneumo, from which we get pneumonia. And pneumo means breath. And so in other words, you cannot see a breath, you cannot see the wind, but it's there and it has a purpose. You cannot see angels, but they're there, they're real, and they serve a purpose. And then in Hebrews 1.14, when it says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? It's telling us that angels are sent by God. They're sent by God. They are beings that are on an assignment from God. And the word minister means to serve. It's the same word that's used to describe Martha as translated as serving in Luke 10.40, where it says, but Martha was cumbered with much serving." See, next, when Hebrews one fourteen says, if they are not all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation, it describes who the angels are serving. And they're serving those who will be heirs of salvation. It literally means they're ministering to them who shall be heirs of the rescue, of the rescue. The rescue is what the word salvation means, rescue. You know, this last week, maybe you're following it, this last week, the miners were trapped in the gold mine in Nicaragua, 300 feet into the mountain in Nicaragua. It's a long way. And after 24 hours and over 100 men digging round the clock, finally they got 22 of those miners were rescued. And when the rescuers finally made this small hole, this air hole to them, they yelled into that tomb, God is giving you a second chance at life. And when the miners came out, they said, God has answered our pleas to keep living. It's about life. And those minors are a picture of us because we were trapped. We were doomed to die because of our sins. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who dug us out when he died for our sins on the cross. And we as the rescued say, God has answered our pleas for life. And he as the rescuer says to us, now you have a second chance to live. This time live forever. And what the salvation is called is the rescue. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ is the rescuer, and that's why we are the rescued. And when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ for his great salvation, we're coming to him for his great rescue, because what it's really meaning in Romans 6.23 is saying, when it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages for our personal sin is death, an eternal state of death and hell. But the great gift of God is the great rescue into eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, when Hebrews 1.14 says that angels are ministering to us, it's describing when it says, Spirit, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Now, we see Abraham is thinking now in verse 8, and he says, if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear of this my oath. Only bring not my son to thee again. Now, here we see something very revealing about the thinking way of Abraham, or the way Abraham thinks, thoughts, and you know, always in... Japan they'd always say "Ah, oh, country son now we understand your thinking way <laughs> I don't even understand my own thinking way but anyway so in verse 3 Abraham has revealed to us that he is absolutely a- vehemently opposed to Isaac marrying one of the Canaanites that's non-negotiable it's a matter of principle he cannot marry a Canaanite and in verses both 6 and 7 Abraham is just as vehemently opposed to bringing Isaac back to the old country to get a wife Now, if Isaac can't get a wife from the women that he's with, and no woman's willing to come, then Eliezer raises this possibility that, okay, what's going to happen? We might think that Abraham might say something like this. Now you listen to me, Eliezer. (laughs) You're working for me. The wife not coming is not an option. I'm too weak to do this job myself for getting a wife, so I'm relying on you to do this job to get the wife. And a woman's not willing to come, that's not an option. Go there and get another one. Whatever it takes, Eliezer, you bring back a bride. Don't come back without a bride. He could have said that, you know. That reminds me of how young men get their wives where Scanabody's Ethiopia is located in Budajira among the Guragi people, it's the people we work with. And so Budajira sits at the base of Mount Guragi. Mount Guragi is 12,000 feet, and it's very heavy jungle vegetation on Mount Guragi. And you see, as you look up on the mountain, you see some smoke coming here and there. You can't see them, but there are huts which are hidden in there, and they're not easy to get to. You know, one time someone wanted, invited me to go climb to the top of Mount Guragi, and I said, I'll have lunch instead. And so, <laughs> anyway, and so a young man, this is what ha- typically happens, and a young man in Europe, he eyes over the women of the city, and he secretly makes his choice of the one he wants for a wife. Then he tells his father, who then goes and rents one of those huts up there, in those secluded huts in Mount Guragi, And after he's made that arrangement, then the father then organizes a kidnapping party who then kidnaps the girl and takes her up to the hut to his waiting son. And they hold her in this prison up there, so to speak, for six months until she gets pregnant. And then they come off the mountain and everyone accepts them as father and wife or as husband and wife or as husband of what will eventually be three wives. Now, that start of a marriage makes for wonderful marital relations. And 90%... Of our 190 employees there in Scandinavia, Ethiopia, they're women. And so many of our employees have gone through this experience of being kidnapped wives. And we've seen how most of them have become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we have, for example, a new employee, and she's a pretty young single girl working for us, we understand what happens if she disappears for six months. Now, that Guragi custom of kidnapping a wife Really reflects an attitude of forcefulness. It's where it's no it's not an option. And that's a Guragi attitude. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's a heathen practice. You know, those Ethiopians over there, I'm, a, yeah, I'm not a heathen. But we're all prone to have this Guragi attitude, you know, of, of pushing our self will and saying no is not an option. Samson had that. That was the problem with Samson. He had the Guragi attitude in Judges 14 1 through 3, when it says, And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in timnath of the daughter of the philistines and he came up and told his father and his mother and said i have seen a woman in timnath the daughters of philistines now therefore get her for me to wife and his father and his mother said unto him is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised philistines and samson said to his father get her for me she pleaseth me well That's a Guragi attitude. That's the Guragi attitude. Get her for me, she pleases me well. He said to his father the same thing that the Guragi men say to their fathers: Get her for me, she pleases me well. The Guragi attitude is a great danger for us as believers, where we want our way and we're not willing to take no for an answer. And Samson said, get her for me, she pleases me well. They had no regard for, does she please God well? Now, this is the beauty. This is a backdrop. Is the beauty of verse 8 because it shows that Abraham did not have the Guragi attitude. He said, I have a plan for my son Isaac. Did I get a wife from my old country? But I won't force it through. And so in verse 8, Abraham is divorcing himself from the Guragi attitude when he said, if the woman not be willing to follow thee, thou shalt be clear from this mine oath. Abraham is saying to Eliezer, my son Isaac, he must not return to my country. And I have a plan for you. You should bring back the bride for my son Isaac. But my plan may not be God's plan. And I'm willing to accept that God may have another plan for get a wife for Isaac. So what we have in verse 8 is Abraham not being bullheaded and stubborn and saying, Eliezer, I'm sending you to go get a bride for Isaac. Don't come back unless you have a bride. Even if you have to stay there the rest of your life, bring somebody. Verse 8, he's not saying that at all. He didn't say, if there's not a woman who's willing to follow you, find somebody else. He didn't say that. He said, I'm asking you, Eliezer, to be guided by God, by God's angel. And notice that he says, notice in verse 8, it's very important when you notice and you see that he said, the woman, a woman, singular, the woman. If the woman is not willing to follow you. In other words, Eliezer, he's saying, Eliezer, you be guided by God's angel to the one woman. And if that woman is not willing to follow you, you're free. You're going to walk back. You're free, you're done. Now, that's really putting your faith and trust in God. That's Abraham really doing. It. Abraham. See, he wasn't saying, if the first woman was not willing, move on, lots of women are over there, go find one. Don't stop till you find a willing woman. No. He said, Abraham's saying, "I'm willing to accept that God may have a different plan to get a wife for Isaac." And that shows this beautiful attitude in Abraham, of letting God decide. So with Abraham's statement of trusting God and being willing to yield to God's plan, Eliezer gets this tremendous peace. And he sees Abraham trusting God. And that spirit of trusting God that was in Abraham infected Eliezer. So in verse 9, that's the reason we see Eliezer putting his hand under Abraham's thigh and taking the oath because of this confidence that Eliezer saw in Abraham in verse 8. What did Eliezer see in Abraham in verse 8? was simple faith expressed in this, when he says, if the woman's not willing, you're free. See, it's not do or die, bring back a wife. And so there's a beautiful little phrase in the hymn. The hymn is simply trusting every day. And the phrase is, trusting Jesus, that is all. And it goes like that, simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way. Even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus, that's all. That is all. Trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting him whatever befall, trusting Jesus, that is all. That's Abraham. He's trusting Jehovah Jesus. That's all. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for how Abraham helps us here, Lord, to see how to face problems and challenges in no-win situations, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for how we see in him trusting Jesus. That is all. Help us to be like that in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Another great Bible study from Tom Cantor. Just a reminder, if you would like to download this message for free, you can do so on our website, friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com and sermonaudio.com. So friendshipwithgod.org, iTunes.com, or sermonaudio.com to download today's message or past messages. Now, you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up with your email, For Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse, just one small verse from the Bible and a small exhortation or encouraging note from Tom Cantor on that verse from the Bible, you can sign up with your email at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse available through Facebook. You can befriend Tom Cantor by searching for Tom Cantor on Facebook, as well as Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God. Now, Israel Restoration Ministries has two full-time positions open right now in the Southern California area one in San Diego, as well as one in the Los Angeles County area. So if you'd like to be called to reach the Jewish people full-time as a Jewish evangelism missionary, contact Israel Restoration Ministries and also contact us if you'd like to be one of our volunteer missionaries reaching lost Jewish people all over the United States, Canada, Israel, and South America and all over the world. If you'd like to be one of our volunteer missionaries working for Israel Restoration Ministries or a full-time missionary, working in the Southern California area, contact us directly at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism or to get a free gift for a lost Jewish person you know, you can also contact us at the same number, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Or for more information about Israel Restoration Ministries, go to IsraelRestoration.org or FriendshipWithGod.org.